Welcome to Scholars and Sense. It's the podcast that takes a deep dive into the issues of the day. We do so with thoughtful conversation, and we rise above the noise and talking points. With the help of my colleagues, we get to the heart of the matter. I'm Bill Bennett, alongside my co-hosts, Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hanson. Conrad, Victor, let's jump in. Here we are, gentlemen. Where are we? Afghanistan. How bad is this, and in what ways is it bad, really bad, the worst? I I would say it is absolutely terrible for the administration. I mean, nobody seriously thinks the United States has ceased to be an important country. But I don't see how anyone takes this administration seriously. Uh, I I mean, I thought that uh, not only was it a disaster in itself, but the president's attempted explanation of it was just completely implausible. And he doesn't regret doing it. He wouldn't have done it differently. All this was inevitable. I mean, that's nonsense. And everyone knows it's nonsense. So I, I think the administration is, unless it can pull off some miraculous performance in a subsequent event, like President Kennedy did with the uh, Cuba missiles after the Bay of Pigs, unless they can do something like that, I, I just don't think anyone takes them seriously. And that, and that is a vacuous situation and it's dangerous. For the U.S. as a whole, obviously, it's no less great a country today than it was two weeks ago. But but it's good. It, you need new administration, in my opinion, to take care of this. I would have thought Biden would have fired a lot of people uh, Mm. and that might have achieved something. But I I think generally speaking, the problem is as much with him as anyone else. But I don't think anyone in that administration in uh, diplomatic or military terms has has any respect from anybody. I I just want to pick up on one part of that. I'm not sure I agree. You're, You're saying this hurts Biden doesn't hurt the U.S. Hurts the U.S., doesn't it? It doesn't hurt it. It doesn't knock it out. I mean, I think the U.S. would have had a respected administration would would be a respected country in the world. But I, I think temporarily, we're, the U.S. is kind of on the sidelines. I think the problem Biden has and we have as Americans is that if you look at polls prior to this fiasco, about half the country said, we've been there 20 years. We spent blood and treasure. We didn't nation build. We should have never nation built and we want it out. And the other half says, well, we have 150 installations all over the world, and we haven't lost a dead American in 18 months. And had we kept Bagram Air Base, we could have controlled the cities, and then we would have had choices whether to continue to prop up this army or uh, withdrawn our diplomatic and contractors and Americans first and then military last. But I think everybody believes that the way that this was handled where the military left in the dead of night and left 10,000 Americans and 80,000 uh, allied Afghans to the mercy of the Taliban was a disaster. And then the way that Conrad described Biden's lack of uh, presidential explanation, it, it, it only emphasized that. I don't think he's cognitively up to the job I think that the Joint Chiefs, I went back today, um, Bill and Conrad, and I read uh, what General Milley and General Austin have said the last six months about their primary mission as our chief military commanders and civilian commanders and what we were going to expect in Afghanistan. And they said repeatedly that there was, there was not going to be a fall, a precipitous fall in Afghanistan. They were worried about it. They were had their eye on it, but it would not happen. And second, that their chief um, agendas were either climate change or critical race theory and, and rooting out race, uh, race superiority or making the military more inclusive. And those are not what we hire them for. We hire them for one task, and that is to 
keep the United States secure and provide deterrence. And I think what we're going to see now is that Afghanistan uh, in the next year is going to be publicized and by the pal Taliban as a safe haven for all jihadists of the world if they want a contractual arrangement with them to sort of move there. And it will be a rallying point for people to wage terrorism across the globe. And they feel that China, Iran, Russia will be acting, not necessarily in concert, but will be checking to see if this debacle ripples out toward the general sense of a loss of deterrence. So China has already said some things uh, in its newspapers today that if they were to move on uh, Taiwan, the Taiwanese should just give up because not only would they not be able to resist it, but the United States would cut and run. And that's dangerous to already hear that. So let's talk about lead up. Beginning of your comments, you divided the country in half. I'm 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 in that second half with this added. I don't know. It seemed to me that 2,500 or whatever it was, troops plus air power plus whatever the state of the Afghan army was, you know, keeping the country from being t taken over by the Taliban. It yeah. was leave them there. Yeah. And, and and let me say this because uh, you know, a pretty vocal Trump supporter, I was not happy with the. Trump's plan, uh, especially, you know, what didn't happen, inviting the Taliban to Camp David. But, I, you know, I had an opportunity to speak to Mike Pompeo, report what he said. But so what, are you, what are you doing here? You know, I mean, going over there, meet with them. We don't meet with terrorists like this. You know, that quick, let's get out. Why? And, and it required handshakes or at least photos with the Taliban. I, I didn't agree with our President Trump on this either. He's not responsible. Biden is, but he set the table, or partly set the table. Release of 5,000 prisoners as well. He did. He did indeed, and that's bad. But uh, he, um, I'm getting out of my depth here, but he didn't re release the most dangerous ones, did he? Yeah, some of them were very dangerous. So I think everybody agrees that Trump himself uh, in the waning months of his administration saw that uh, that he that was a mistake. And I think that's why he said things. I think he did say things that there would not be a precipitous withdrawal. And I think when he went out of office, there were 2,500 people and we had Bagram Air Base. And, I yeah, and, there, and there were 7,500 serious allies, you know, the British. Yes, there others. were. Well, it that, a, that's it right. Was, it was it was a viable project. And I think he had, for all his uh, bluster, I think he he left office was to keep Bagram Air Force Base open for NATO and the United States use and provide air support with contractors servicing the planes for our allies, and as he did with ISIS to to provide a deterrent and bomb the crap out of them if they if they advanced on us. And that I don't know how viable that would be in the long term, but after twenty years. Uh, I think you could make the argument we'd created a westernized urban population that, although a minority of the country, uh, was viable if it had Western help. And the idea was not that we were going to make it into Carmel, California, but that that pro provided a distraction to the Taliban so they could not do what they did before 9 Yeah, it couldn't become a nursery for, for yeah. terrorists. Absolutely. Absolutely. Terrorist and, training. It, and, and it will now. Don't you agree, Congress? I, I think it's likely it will. May I just broaden this? I mean, as I understand it, uh, it, practically everything that the Taliban has been supplied has come through Pakistan or from Pakistan. The Pakistanis, I mean, I know there are factions in the Taliban, so on, but the Pakistanis, the ISI, have great influence there. And, and the American aid to Pakistan largely pays for their entire defense budget. I mean, haven't, hasn't the United States just been conned for a long time? 
I see my dear friend Imran Khan, the former cricket star, the prime minister at the moment in Pakistan, issued a statement saying it was a wonderful defeat of a of a reprehensible country. I mean, shouldn't we just revisit our our meaning the West's whole policy towards that region? Absolutely. And why did we have that policy? Because it was a cold cold war holdover from balancing Russian back to India, but. More importantly, the only rationale for it is we get together with the Indians and we kind of say, well, we're giving Pakistan some money so they don't become adventuresome with nuclear weapons and cause trouble in the area. And then India says, we understand why you're doing it. Don't give them too much. But I think it's time. Yeah. I, agree, I agree with you 100 percent. It's time to just say, you know what? It didn't work. And they're, they, they harbored bin Laden. Uh, they knew where he was. They didn't tell us. And they have big supply lines. They, If they had cut off the supply lines to the Taliban, they would have had nothing going for them 10 years ago. I want to pick up on what Conrad was saying about international. I think, I was just looking it up, I couldn't get it, but I think I've heard the this was after all a NATO operation, right? Yeah. And, and that uh, the number of troops, not American, outnumbered the number of American troops. Is that right? I think yes. it does, yeah. At the end, three to one, yeah. And nobody was told. Nope. Right. Nobody got a call saying we're doing this, which is no way to run an alliance. No, especially from someone who had been bragging the first six months of his administration that he brought the alliance back to a multilateral cooperation that had yeah. been lacking under Trump, who, you know, forced them to pony up another hundred million dollars in expenditures. It's been a, a total disaster. Even worse, Bill and Conrad has been this. I don't know how you, what you guys make of it, but this uh, Blinken and Biden and all of these people that come out and say, you know, or Jen Psaki, uh, they'll say the international or the UN ambassador, the UN international community will insist that women participate in the new Taliban government yeah. or they're yeah. going to be socially and internationally ostracized and, and the international community, interna- they don't give a damn about the international. Yeah, they no, just this, want, you know, this they is, just want this a military what... victory. That's like telling Hitler after he swallowed Poland that the United States is going to hold them accountable. Yeah, this is what he said in Europe, remember, about Switzerland and then the, the seven, the G7. You know, what will hold these people to account? Well, embarrassment that's what will hold the chinese to account they'll they'll be embarrassed in the world community this and this 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 is an idea that keeps coming up i mean that's obviously fixation in his uh, in his head uh, what is the reason you think really i was watching uh, general or secretary austin you know the, these marines I, I have a son who's a marine <laughs> he's been talking to him there they are behind, uh, you know, the barbed wire and the, and the fence, the gates. I guess uh, the last picture I saw of a Marine, they was, he was taking a baby uh, from one of the mothers so that yeah. the baby could fly to freedom. Unbelievable. But, you know, Marines are Marines are taught to fight. So they're over there to presumably, you know, keep the peace. But apparently just inside the ring, why don't they create a corridor to, into Kabul, a safe corridor, uh, to get people out? Why wouldn't Biden direct that? Because because someone might get killed, and then he not someone, a lot of people, and the optics after telling everybody that whatever you think of it, nobody's died. But you put a cord. I think I agree with you. We should. And what would happen is after a couple of days, they would be snipers shooting at them, and then we'd need air support with hell. We could get into a big fight, look, which I think is worth it. If the United yeah, States said to, to, to the Taliban, 
uh, look, we are going to evacuate all our people, all our friends, everybody. And, and if you interfere at all, we are finally going to really blast the hell out of you. Uh, and the United States could do it. Everyone knows they can do everybody it. Everybody. There would be collateral damage, but they would do it. And I mean, it's, it is the most powerful country in the world. But as I wrote the other day in uh, American Greatness, it's fulfilling Mr. Nixon's warning about a pitiful, helpless giant. I didn't realize we have F-18s, I guess, doing over overflights. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what for. I guess to you know they're way up, but uh, situation on the ground. But we obviously have the power. General Keane said, just picking him in Pakistan. So one thing, if you're going to leave, why don't you wait till they leave? Uh, they leave in the you know in the, in the late in the late fall and winter to go to Pakistan. Why not? The most horrible planning disaster of a major military operation by any country in the world that I can I can remember. I mean, I, mean, it's, yeah. it's, I looked I, at the Russian it, YouTube, Conrad, uh, of the 1980 Russian disaster when they were well, well yeah. but they were there for ten years. I know, but we were there yeah. for twenty. But the Russians guy, there's a YouTube where he gets on there and says, we haven't lost one Russian and I'm the last guy out. And we pulled everybody out and he's a military commander. And so what mm. he's saying is that all of our civilian people got out. All of our communist sympathizers got out, our toadies. And I'm the last guy out. We haven't lost. They did it a lot better than we did. Yeah. I think, don't you think though, that this is systemic, that the military, this is General Milley who said, that he regretted the photo op because Donald Trump cleared the uh, grounds near the White House and used tear gas while he did a photo op. That was all found to be a complete lie by the inspector general yeah, of the yeah, Department yeah, of Interior. Yeah, I, yeah. And I think to myself, if you got rid of Milley, you would get the same chairman of the Joint Chiefs or uh, chief of naval operations who also gave a lecture on wokeness. Why not just say, start doing systematic, systematically have some reforms, even if they're symbolic. I would start with no uh, officer uh, shall violate the code of uniform code of military justice that says that retired officers on pensions are not allowed to disparage the commanding chief. This is a a retired, we had people that called Trump a Nazi and Mussolini, and they haven't said one word about this fiasco. They're so politicized. Second thing, why in the world do we give security clearances to these, I'm glad they yanked Brennan's, but Clapper and Comey and these retired generals that go on TV and with a wink and a nod say, you know, I have access to this. And, I, and then they say, these are the people who gave us Russian collusion. Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. No problem in Afghanistan. They should not have any access once they go on TV. And, and I, I, I think we need to go back what the old Democrats said, Bill, that they used to say that if you're going to go into the Pentagon, and are you going to come out? You got to have a, a year or two, five year waiting period before yes. you leave Raytheon or General Dynamics or Northrop. Because I think we've created a culture where this 500 four stars, they understand it's not just the administration they kiss up to, but the whole culture of Washington, the woke culture. They say these things. They're not interested in military efficacy. They're interested in gender and race and critical theory. And they think, therefore, when they get out, There'll be a big billet waiting for them at Northrop or Raytheon, 
And then Elizabeth Warren won't stand up and say, you're a part of the revolving door because she'll say, no, these guys got us, you know, transgender surgery uh, subsidies, et cetera, et cetera, women in frontline combat. I think the whole thing is rotten and they should not be allowed. If they want to be a four-star general, they want to retire, they got to have a cooling off period because they're basically selling their knowledge of the labyrinth of the Pentagon to the highest bidder. Yeah. Let's go back to the present situation. Um, what will happen here? Are we going to get everybody out? Let's start with, are we going to get all the Americans out? I, I listened this morning. Uh, John Kirby, spokesman at the Pentagon, said, we don't know how many Americans are there. No, there's nobody who keeps count. That is a terribly unconvincing spokesman. I, think. I, I would think they'd make a serious effort to get all the Americans out. And I assume that in a back channel, they could, they could at least make the point with the Taliban that, it, it, that if they start killing Americans that they come across or detaining them unreasonably, uh, that there would be repercussions to that. I, I just don't know how seriously they're I don't, even, okay, I don't okay, even... Okay, okay, let me let me interrupt there, because uh, back to the earlier point. Okay, we're getting all the Americans out. You try to stop us, um, stop Americans, hurt Americans, impede them, we'll, 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 we'll take action. If we take action, then we go into to, uh, to Victor's scenario. Somebody's going to get killed, and some of them are going to be our guys. So if you're playing a chess chess game here, you're the Taliban, say, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, because Biden is selling this disaster on one final uh, desperate argument that he, as bad as it looks on television, as horrible as it is, there hasn't been one dead American yet. And that's yeah. what he's selling. So I think the Taliban will do something. Our, the Secretary of Defense said essentially the other day, yesterday, he didn't know how many people were still there. And he didn't have the capability yet uh, to get them out if he did know. And today there was a, a news wire story that it's more or less first come, first serve to get out. Every man for himself. You show up. And then Jake, uh, what's his name? This National Security Advisor, Sullivan, said. Sullivan. Yeah, well, it's their fault. They, we told them months ago they should leave. Well, months ago they were asking, is it going to collapse? And they were told it was not going to collapse. And they were essential to be there. Or they wouldn't have been there in the first place. So they're kind of, I just think that, I, I think nothing's beyond the imagination now. I think that they would be, uh, if there's a chance of, of being humiliated, they will, they don't care what will happen. And, so August 31st comes. And they say, okay, that's it. Nobody, nobody else. And we say, no, we open up the gates and we send the Marines in and, and the shooting starts. And then he's got, he's got a body count. Well, um, they would do that on the Southern, an administration that's going to let 2 million people walk across during a pandemic without any vaccinations or testing. 2 million over the fiscal year across the Southern border. You can't expect anything from them. Well, yeah. And, and, and isn't it true? Um, almost always the American people don't react to the, to the, to the report of a, of a, of a dead soldier with, we got to get out. They tend to say, you know, this, this happens. Are we winning? Are we losing? Yeah. I, I remember being in the Oval Office, just an opportunity with several other, you know, sort of conservative pundit types and, you know, uh, President Bush, I said, why, why are we not putting out the body count, you know, of, uh, you know, of, of, of the people, the bad guys were killing in Iraq. And he said, well, you know, we got to put out our body count. And that's not so good. So how do they compare? And he said, oh, we, you know, they're about five to one of, the, of those guys dying rather than our guys dying. I said, I don't think American people object to that. If they think you're in a good cause and you're winning, 
uh, I mean, you know, back to, to be self-referential, back to my Marine son, he said, you know, all the guys in my platoon, they signed up, they knew they might get killed, you know, they're Marines, you know, they understand that. And they'd probably rather take a chance and be in a fighting war, even if it's a chance they might die. And I'm diminishing the significance of that as a Marine father, God knows. But, you know, uh, they're not in there to take babies uh, or to, you know, make sure the, the landing strip. So I, where comes this, Victor, this is you, you're the classicist. I mean, my God, where, where comes this notion that, uh, you know, you can't be in a situation where soldiers might die? I think it's this modern therapeutic culture that we've been uh, yeah. Yeah. we've been deluded by technology that we're all we have a divine birthright to die in our sleep peaceably about ninety five and anything less than that somebody is to blame. But and, you know what Al Davis said about the Raiders when they said, "What's your strategy?" and he said, "Just win, baby." Yeah, and that, you're right. You're absolutely right, Bill. Because had Americans will put up with almost anything if they feel that we're winning. Yeah. And, one of the things why the surge did work, I was embedded twice in Manoa there during the surge, and I could see what was going on. Anybody could see was not what was being reported. Petraeus and those guys said, we're building parks and we're opening daycare centers. And then at night, people like McChrystal were going out and basically killing Al-Qaeda. And they had they, they killed about 25,000 of them. And when they killed an, the right number of them, suddenly things got quiet. And then they said, we didn't really kill anybody. We were just, con- we're just conducting operations. Yeah. Like yeah. What Sherman said at the beginning of the Civil War, they said, who's going to win? And he said, I, I hate to say it, but there's about 300,000 Cavaliers in the South that are convinced that they can win and they will fight until we get rid of them. And yeah. that's what happened. You see, the companion to that, I think, is this theory of this constant emphasis on 20 years of war. But, you know, as we've all said in this talk, 18 months, last 18 months, not one American fatality. It isn't war like even Vietnam was, let alone World War II or something. And and people don't, you know, if they're not really versed in military history, in the public mind, it's it's as if the United States and the others have been embroiled in some uh, death-dealing conflict and heavy casualties for two decades and that isn't the case i mean there were a fair number of casualties at one time but 2300 dead in 20 years is not war like other wars the united states has been in. no no what was in our mind though and this has been a lot of publicity about it maybe it's been exaggerated or overemphasized but what gets in this american is it go back to our puritan roots in new england or this missionary idea city on the hill where do we get this idea we go into a a pre-modern traditional muslim country and then we start flying a pride flag over the embassy we have a gender studies program at kabul university and we start talking that all of our soldiers have critical race theory sensitivity what is that why do we do things like that that's that's the great liberal death wish i mean that's just insane yeah i mean why go up completely and now all of the women that were taking supposedly american sponsored gender studies are in burkas so yeah no wonder nobody wants to deal with us because we're not a classically liberal society anymore that's you know everybody live and let live we're kind of a not orwellian totalitarian this left-wing progressive creed that we try to impose on everybody and it's very intolerant and I mean, can't we just, if we want to have a university that we're going to open and make it liberal, why can't we just allow women to wear what they want and read literature other than the Quran and leave it at that? Why do we have to have this gender studies indoctrination for people who are coming out of traditional family? 
Will they all? Will they all be back in uh, Burkas? All the women soon? They're already in. Have you seen the pictures today of the classrooms? That some, they said they can go back to class. So you can't even see their faces. They can't see their. So, so a mom who had her daughter in 2003, and she was studying to be an architect or an engineer or a lawyer, now has to take her aside and say that's over. Um, your studies are over for that. School is getting shut down, and here you got to wear this. And some rough man will come in soon and take you for his own. Sorry about all that. I mean, is that is, is that essentially what's going to happen? Uh, look, I, I, may I just make two points here? Firstly, on, on that question, Bill, as I understand, Afghanistan is a population of approximately thirty-eight million, and seventy-five yeah. percent of them are, are not older than twenty years. So. Right. So right. only a quarter of them remember what things were like when everyone wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the total number of Taliban are only around 100,000, I think. So uh, uh, they may have some problems going all the way back into the dark ages as much as is feared. But but they'll uh, clearly they're going to have a go at it. But the other one thing I'd like to say is uh, just taking up on when Victor said about how the U.S. is not now a classic liberal society and so forth, uh, the, the, the population, the people, have not signed on to this woke nonsense. Right, uh, not more than a fifth of them agree with it. And yeah, that's right. the one positive thing, and I, and I hate to put it in these terms, but the one positive thing that I can see in this is I, I think the Democrats have really immolated themselves. I mean, I see the only um, polls that have come out on approval of Biden's performance since last weekend uh, show him taking a hit of over 10 points. So and I, I think I think it's just going to get worse. I, I think the administration's support and the support of the Democrats in Congress generally is going to collapse, which will mitigate the extent of damage they can still do before the midterms. Well, is this reality? Is this reality set again? I mean, is, is this a good thing too? That okay, it's all fine, political correctness and teach ethnic state. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute! Then all of a sudden you get this, uh, you know, the the the, end, end, the barrel of a gun. Yeah. Uh, and back to the burkas. I mean, uh, uh, can this be cathartic? Can this remind the American people, even Democrats? Apparently, there are very few Democrats defending Biden. Is that right? Yeah. I'm not. No, that, the ones that are, are quiet about it. And Nancy Pelosi, you know, said a few things, but they're quiet. But it's it, the problem with for Biden is that not only not only there's two problems. One is that when he had a piece of egg and he licked it off his chin, or he said. Reportedly, you know, I just wiped my butt or whatever lunatic thing he said, the press always contextualize it. And now I think they feel that they have been, they did it to such a degree that they're going to hurt, they're going to bleed and they're embarrassed and they're not going to do it on this fiasco in a way that they did it on the others. And the second problem he has is when they look for a compensatory achievement, they see import shutting down 3 million barrels of oil and more pipelines begging Saudi yeah. Arabia, Saudi Arabia of all places to export more of the hated carbon fuel for us. They open border uh, with Mexico. And then they, they look at the inflation at five or 6%. They look at all of this wokeness and critical race theory and that, and the spiking crime. And they say, there is a pattern here. And now it's dangerous because it's, permeated our foreign policy, the wokeness or whatever it is, the same mindset. And I don't think, uh, I think what we're going to see is 
very slowly and insidiously, the press is going to say, you know what? We may not like Kamala Harris, but compared to this guy, she, we're going to have no choice. And they're going to start leaking and leaking and leaking to get him out of there because I think gotcha. they're in panic. <laughs> I think they're in panic. I really do about him because yeah, he's capable I, I, of anything. I, I, I just, yeah. <laughs> do you think she's better? It doesn't matter whether she's better. It's whether she can stand up from an audience and finish a complete sentence without can, saying, and she can. Maybe uh, yeah, but it usually ends with a hyena laugh. And exactly. I know, but, it, but, it, but it, the laugh is just. But, but it, it parses. It parses. Yeah, it parses, and there's some syntax there, and she doesn't quit. <laughs> she doesn't quit after three hours, and they're saying that we can feed her a, a left wing script. And we can get through and she can just, you know, newsread it compared to what. And this is not going to, this is not arithmetic is decline. It's geometric. It seems like every week he's not just yeah. worse than the week before. He's double. And then the next week, triple. When George Stephanopoulos says, well, people were falling out of planes. He said, that was five days ago. As if it's okay if it was the, not the fact they fell out, but it was the time. And then, you know, politely, it was just two days ago. Yeah, so right. Everything, everything he says, there's no factual basis for it. He gets mad and angry, and I think he's really alienated the press. And without their cover, then he's going to be exposed. When they start nipping at his heels and saying, you know, rumors say that uh, Joe Biden was asleep at noon in a meeting today, or rumors say that he had no idea and he had to ask where the bathroom was, then you know they've made a decision that as bad as it is uh, to have Kamala Harris, they will make the necessary adjustments. Because if they don't, they're going to have to have a messy 21st Amendment or something. Or even if he was Trump right now and the Republicans, I mean, the Democrats had the House as they do. And he was Trump, they impeach him a third time. And yep. if the Republicans came in right now and had the House, I think he would get a majority of Republican votes to impeach him right now. I've made a point of watching, and it pains me to do it, but CNN quite a bit over this. And they, they are not giving him any kind of a free pass at all. Even Don Lemon was scalding the ass off him the other night. And I never saw anything like that from them. I, I think the, I think the press is so frightened by the proportions of this debacle and, and the expose of the, of the administration. Not, I mean, the president and his likely senescence, as you said, Victor, but, but just the helplessness of Blinken and Austin and yeah, Sackie trying to answer these things. Um, and, and, of course, Milley, is, he really shocks me. You guys notice that Milley has more ribbons than General Eisenhower, General MacArthur, and General Marshall combined. They or, all do, though. They all do. They all get up there like peacocks. Police chief in America looks like a four-star general. But anyway, the... the, the um, I thought, you know, I saw that's a good point. I saw those ribbons and I thought, well, this is a ribbon probably for the great victory in Kandahar. And this is another rib ribbon for the great victory in Basra. And this is another one for the great campaign in Tripoli. And this is another one for, you know, and that, I don't think they represent that at all. No. What no. do the ribbons do? Uh, but but, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. But on bring, I think they they won't have far to go before they really have to make a change in the White House. But for the press, I think the press is not going to go down with this ship. They, they feel they've gone as far as they can. And, and, and I think they look upon Biden the way Biden looked upon Afghanistan. I, I think they're running for cover. Uh, and, and one thing to remember, if, if he retired and she took his place, I think they would finally make an effort to get a serious vice president. I think they'd put up a, a competent, plausible person, at least, to be vice president. Yeah.
reminds me so much of uh, Lewis Sorley's book, A Better War, written right after the, the mess when we saw the, the fragging and the drug use and the mess in Vietnam, and we got rid of Westmoreland. And we brought in uh, Creighton Abrams, and he was a no-nonsense, tough old guy. And he, re, he basically Vietnamese, the uh, in America, not Vietnamese, the, the thing. And we got sort of a, uh, Nixon was able to get a, a stable situation out of what was becoming a hopeless situation. And then after the war, uh, there was a recognition by a new generation of officers that this army is broken and we've got to fix it. And by the time of the first Gulf War, it was fixed. But this army that we have right now, not the soldiers, but it's top 500 echelon in the Navy, it's broken. And the budgets keep going up and the weapon systems are not effective in a cost benefit analysis. We don't understand what the Chinese are doing. And uh, it's, it's we've got a careerist, yeah, we, we've got a careerist cadre that have no ethical boundaries. They don't. And they're in there. We've got a very weird dynamic working now where the top brass sound woke and they sound woke, not because they believe it, but because they feel it offers them career insurance or protection to continue their trajectory to lobbyists and corporate board members when they retire and get filthy rich. That's pretty much what it is. That's, that sums up the career of the, the, the defense secretary. And they're, they're not capable of making the necessary reforms until we alter the system somehow. And uh, I'm really worried about it because I am afraid right now that if we got into a shooting war over Taiwan or, you know, Iran's decided to let off an, uh, a nuke in a year in Israel, what would, I don't think this, this group of officers above the rank of one star general is capable of coming up with a strategy or, or implementing it. I think the people below them are. But they, they're very demoralized when you talk to majors and captains. They're privately, they're very bitter about this new, um, I don't know, careerist culture that these uh, Washington creatures have created. It, it's really it, disturbing. It, it's the worst possible confirmation of President Eisenhower's farewell address. It is. Uh, I would uh, just, it is. And you could add the word intelligence, not just the military industrial complex, it's the military industrial intelligence complex. Because yeah. the CIA is knee deep in it, too. Three other things I want to say. You just mentioned Taiwan. Uh, and at the beginning, uh, Conrad said, you know, I don't think this weakens America's standing in the world so much as, you know, Biden's, but it doesn't help America's standing. Does it encourage the Chinese and Taiwan? And people have said, you know, our enemies are now going to be much more encouraged by this kind of uh, uh, action by President Biden. And they're, you know, they'll say, hey, they're not going to fight. They're not going to defend Taiwan. Do you think that's true? Do you think that's more likely that we would not in light of this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, as I said earlier, there's two press reports today from Chinese newspapers, which were all government affiliated, that a warning to the Taiwanese that they should not count on the Americans because if uh, Taiwan were to get in a fight with the Chinese themselves, i.e., then they could expect the same treatment toward them as the Afghans received from the Americans. Yeah. And, that, and I think it's insidious that one paper writes that, then another paper tries to outdo it, and then they start to influence. Mm -hmm. That comes mm -hmm. from the government, and there becomes a consensus. I think it's stupid because it's very dangerous for them because they don't have the economic, yet the economic and military power that we do, but they may think they do because they think that it's 
willpower is a force multiplier and they think we have no willpower and people yeah. as soon as they went into taiwan they would see somebody say well we 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 deploy this aggression we're going to go to the un the, the international community is upset but you know we never really said we were going to protect taiwan and so it's regrettable that things happen i think that's you think they're right you think they're right now i don't know yet okay I i'd like to think what you guys i think it's a 50 50 chance that they're right but not quite right it, it would be an extremely dangerous military operation you've got to move at least half a million men over 120 miles of uh, blue water and uh, the americans if they gave if they gave taiwan any assistance at all they could stop that and there would be a lot of drowned chinese but um uh, you know, as the U.S. government, successive administrations have always been uh, rather ambiguous about what they would do in such circumstances. They, uh, Henry Kissinger and I were talking about this just last week, and the, the arrangement has always been, going back to Mr. Nixon's visit there in 72, that China would not try and uh, reunify China by force, and the United States would not move to uh, recognize Taiwan as a totally and completely independent, separate country. Uh, but what would happen if either side varied from that has, has never been specified. So it's a, it's a question of how much encouragement the U.S. would give Taiwan. And I think the answer is, if they react, realize what a disaster this has been, the, the administration does, whatever they say in public, whatever Saki says, if they realize what a disaster it's been, uh, and and say to the Taiwanese, look, don't be influenced by that. We've made a mistake there. But Taiwan's a different thing. It's a serious country. It's a, uh, you know, a country we uh, admire and have uh, been intimately involved with since it was established as a country. And, and, and we will make clear to the Chinese that if they attack you uh, militarily, we will help you in your defense. If they do that, rather like Kennedy coming back from, from the Bay, yeah. yeah. I, I think but I, you, you said the word "if" because yeah. I think I think you have to game it out with a nuclear card in, in mind. Taiwan doesn't have nuclear weapons. Japan doesn't have nuclear weapons. Australia doesn't have nuclear weapons. South Korea does not have nuclear weapons. North Korea does, and so does China. And I think what that would happen is if they wanted to move, they've got a 1.5 billion people. They might not consider it would be a bloodbath, and then they would try to do it conventionally. And if they got in trouble, they would just tell the Taiwanese, we have 400 nuclear weapons, and we're going, if you don't stop right now, you're going to pay a nuclear price. And they would not They would use it. And then the United States would have to say, is Taiwan, all these years, we didn't say it overtly, but it's actually under our nuclear umbrella. And that would be a very interesting argument, because then China would come back and say, well, if we're going to go down, we're going to take Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, and San yep. Diego out. And I don't think Taiwan is, if we had our top secret confidential communiques over the last 30 years, that all of our leaders have thought about this, and they've tried to be strategically ambiguous to deter yep. China. but. That's what would happen. And well, then we'd be back to the old uh, no premature first strike. But they, but the question then would be with the old deterrence question from the Cold War. I mean, the Chinese, if the Chinese actually used a nuclear weapon on Taiwan, uh, I, I, in the scenario I painted here, the Americans would consider that it was equivalent to attacking South Korea and Japan or Australia, which all of which have a pretty 
clear guarantee from the U.S. that they would use their nuclear arsenal as a deterrent and, if need be, a, as a countermeasure. And and I, the question is, would the Chinese risk it? I, it's all a matter of the credibility of the American spokespeople. And if if what we get is the kind of waffling we've had lately, they might risk it, but not a... Well, not just waffling. It's, you <laughs> but know, it, your, is, your cal- it is. Your it calculus is. is more than one... Uh, one dead, one dead person in eighteen months. You got yeah. it, it is, but, but the problem with Taiwan isn't just that it's Chinese and China feels it's own. Unlike Australia or Japan or South Korea, the Chinese are themselves confused what America would do if they started to threaten them. And yes. they know, no. know that if okay. they threatened Australia or Japan or South Korea, that the United States has six thousand nuclear weapons. And that would be suicide for them. And they won't do it. But with, with Taiwan, we have deliberately factored into that relationship and part of the opening up of China and trade and all of this stuff, investment, that Taiwan remains ambiguous, at least officially. And that's that really hampers let's, the effectiveness of deterrent. Let's go back to Afghanistan last a few minutes. I want to end with Kabul, but there are other places, right? where the cameras aren't, Kandahar, other places. Uh, as uh, Conrad reminds us, it's a, it's a country of what, 38 million people and what, 6 million or 7 million in Kabul? So there, you know, there's a lot of people around other places. Americans in Kandahar or other cities or <laughs> any provision there, are they going to get out? What do you think? Will they get out? Um, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. so. I guess eventually, won't I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you I, know, I, I'm th- I'm thinking that the Taliban may say on the 31st, okay, this was our deal. That's it. You didn't get everybody out too bad. Well, yeah, oh. if, if it comes to that, it'll be another terrible humiliation for the U.S. I mean, if, if we reach the point. It's either that it, or we're prepared to lose a lot of people from the snipers. Well, look at Bergdahl. Bo Bergdahl was one traitor who wandered yeah, yeah. in, and we gave the current what second head of the Taliban yeah, that's right. Rele- that's right. release for him. So yeah, you can right. think they think hostages are a very effective way of getting what they want from the United States. Uh, I, I, right. I, I that have an effective policy at this point, we'd have to have a, a an administration that just had a complete change of its collective attitude. <laughs> and it would have to, and yeah. we have to keep confidence that the American people would want that. And I yeah. think I'm confident, but I'm not convinced of it. But you can send helicopters around all over Afghanistan to pick up the smaller numbers of, uh, of people you'd want to evacuate all around the country and, and just say to the Taliban, if you start shooting down our helicopters, we're going to hammer the hell out of you. But I, as yeah. we all agreed, there's no evidence that this administration is prepared. Yeah, to no, say- yeah, then Biden's body count. You know, it was way, yeah. way up over the last Bill, 18 months. Bill's exactly right, because we did that in Somalia. Remember the Black Hawk down? And they yeah. just, we, we sent a helicopter to get some yeah. guys out, and they shot it down. And we thought, what are we going to do with this ragtag terrorist group? And we decided, well, let's go. We'll have the, we'll have the Mogadishu Mile and run back and get the hell out of there. Yeah. And that's what so let's did. go back to Kabul. Where will we be in two weeks? Prediction, somebody. Two weeks takes us uh, after uh August 31st. Where will we be on September 2nd, 3rd? Uh, well, I don't think that the the uh, Taliban will make a serious effort to expel the Americans militarily. So it's a question of when are they going to leave voluntarily? Uh, and and I, I, my, I guess I think that they'll hang in there saying we're, you know, we're standing here to receive people who get to the airport and take them out. And and it could and and it'll still be going on in two weeks but uh, I, I, I just that, don't think the time i think i think even this administration 
would feel had to do something serious if the Taliban tried to storm the airport and kill 5,000 Americans. No, no, they just no, they just no. keep people from going to the airport yeah, where they say it. on August 31st, that's it. No, no, no exactly. but it's no, Bill's, Bill's exactly right. They just insidiously, incrementally each day beat up, kill another woman, kill, go and stone somebody, <laughs> go, go, and then, you know, rough up an American, maybe kill one, and then just ramp it up until they see we're gone and then go full blast they're not stupid so i think they're waiting but they want to they want to do enough damage or enough humiliation and go after enough of our allied afghans or women or occasional american contractors to get the message to us sure you better but get out of here and then once you get you out of here that, it's going to be it's going to be a nightmare but do you think uh we would get out of there if there were still you know more than a few americans or others left who should oh, yeah. serve to go. This, this administration get yeah. out. You know what? Because you know how we we already know that bill because Jake Sullivan said we already gave notice for everybody, and they that was an individual yeah. decision they made, and they decided to stay. And they've been warned. So, and yeah. then when that's, Austin that's said a, yesterday, yeah. we we can't find them. We don't know where they are. We're not. We don't have the capability to get them out. He said that. Do you guys agree with me that if what, what you both just said happens, and I and I, I think it, you may well be right, but uh, that the consequences in American public opinion uh, and its consideration of the administration would be a political domestic disaster for the administration. I think so. I think so. It'd be like Jimmy so. Carter. Jimmy Carter with those hostages, with their blindfolded, with the Ayatollah saying they're going to be executed. Yeah. Or this or that. yeah. It'd be worse That's, than that. In the yeah. end, in the end, they weren't executed. It was yeah. terrible. No. But 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 it would be this would this scenario no. would be worse. If we're the, but we're a different nation than we were, you know, forty years ago. So I don't know how much we've devolved. But uh, I would agree with you, Conrad. On a normal, sane world that we grew up in. Yeah, it would be a political disaster for the Democratic Party for a generation. But I don't, I don't know the country well enough. Not for sure. sure. Not for sure either. I'm not for sure either. I think it would be because um, you know the press has taken a turn, and the Democrats are defending him. And if we're out of there and there are Americans there, that situation is just worse than than what we've got today. So I don't see that people would change their opinions. But I don't know, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bill. Thank you. That does it for today's show. Want to join the discussion? Email this show at scholarsandsensepodcast at gmail.com. Share the show with your family and friends. Subscribe, rate, review. For Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hanson, I am Bill Bennett, and we'll talk again soon.